Hi, I'm Pastor Guy Burke. We welcome you to this week's worship with First Baptist Church Indianola. We also invite you to find out more about us at our website, www.fbcindianola.com. And don't forget to like us on social media. Join us now as we study deep truths from God's holy word. I invite you to take your copy of God's word and turn to the book of Galatians. Galatians, Paul's letter to Galatia in the New Testament. And then we're going to be in chapter 5, verse 33 together this morning as we begin a new series entitled The Christ-Centered Marriage. And today we're going to look at Paul's instruction uh, regarding husbands and wives' love and respect. You know, we've all been given a task at some point in our life. We've been given a responsibility or we've been given a duty at some point that we had to follow through with, we had to take care of. Here's a story to show that we have something in common. Many of you have probably heard me talk about my first ever job as a 15-year-old. It was umpiring Little League baseball games. Little did I know that was a great preparation for ministry. Amen? It was a great primer for, for ministry. But one thing I remember in the training, they, they took all us young, us rookie umpires, and, and trained us and gave us some pointers. One of, the, one of the things I remember in the training was, and I still remember to this day, that when you make a call, you be clear and direct. Even if it's the wrong one, you be clear and you be direct. And they were telling us that so that when we made the call, we were clear, we were loud enough where everyone could hear us, and we were direct enough to where there's less questioning of the call. Now, as you can imagine, there's plenty of questioning of all calls and any kind of thing, especially Little League Baseball. Uh, but to be clear and direct was part of my duty. So when I was out on the field or behind the plate, I had to make the call. I couldn't give that duty to someone else, right? I couldn't hand that responsibility off to someone else. I was the one, as the umpire, I had to make the call. I had to be clear and direct. That was my duty. I couldn't pass that on. And sometimes we face a temptation in our marriages that we, we want to pass on the duty. We want to pass on the responsibility. And, and that's a temptation. That's a danger. But Paul, Paul brings us to understanding the role and the order that God has for the marriage and for the family. He, he brings us into an understanding of, of what it means as husbands and wives to fulfill the duty that God has given us in the order of that relationship, the covenant of marriage, in the order of that home. You know, now, we're also tempted in many different ways when it comes to marriage. We, we can be tempted to think that, well, this is the next life stage for me. I've gotten to an age or I've gotten to a certain point that this is the next life stage for me. So to really be happy, therefore, I need to get married. And we place all of our happiness and our hopes and our dreams into getting married. But what I tell couples and as I take them through an assessment is that marriage will not make you happy. You make a happy marriage. And there's a great distinction there. And then we move on in life and, and we get tempted as well to make our children the center of the home. And, and then there's a little struggle there. Uh, we love our children. We want to be great parents. But the order that God has given us doesn't make the children the center of the home. And here's why that's important. Because you know what? Most of the time, children grow up and they leave, right? Children go up and they move on. And they start their lives. And so that creates us as husbands and wives coming back together 
at a different stage, in a different season, in a different chapter of life. And so that's why this summation that Paul gives us when it comes to husbands and wives, love and respect, is so foundational. It's so important for us. And today we're going to look at one verse together. Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verse 33. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. I apologize. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. I'll give you a minute to, to click over there. That was my bad. But what happens in this passage, the longer passage, while you turn there, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, the longer passage is Paul provides a compare and a contrast. A compare and a contrast. He compares a husband and wife relationship with Christ's relationship to the church. So he goes back and forth between the husband and wife relationship that takes place in the covenant of marriage to the theological insights when it comes to Christ and his relationship to his bride, the church. And so when we think about what Paul's talking about, we see that, that this priority really is the beginning. It really is the genesis of a strong foundation for a Christ-centered marriage. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. Just one verse this morning. To sum up, this is what Paul writes. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. So one verse there. And Paul says, each one of you, as he speaks to the men, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. One verse but plenty to mine and dig and excavate to understand how this creates a foundation for strong marriages. And the first principle I want to give to you this morning is that love is an extension of obedience to Christ. Love is an extension of obedience to Christ. Yesterday morning, my daughter, my youngest, remember I can tell stories about her because she's not old enough to get mad at me yet. But she wakes up before dawn. Tuesday she sleeps to seven or later. But for some reason on Saturday she wakes up when it's still dark outside. So I find myself in the living room with her flipping through the channels in Orlando on station AMC. And there's that rewatchable movie, A Few Good Men. Have you ever seen it? You know the one I'm talking about, A Few Good Men? And, and so I'm watching A Few Good Men. I've seen it so many different times, but I'm watching A Few Good Men. And really what's highlighted there in this military drama in the courtroom there is the military code of taking orders and then fulfilling the duty of the order. And really what's at the crux, if you've never seen it before in that courtroom, when they get there, is did the colonel, the colonel was played by, by Jack Nicholson, you know, you can't handle the truth. Maybe you've at least heard that line before. And so he, he's on the stand, and, and really what's at the crux of it all is did he give the order of a code red? Did he give that order? And if he did give that order, was it followed through by who was being defended in the courtroom for what was being judged? And so there's this, this understanding of when in the military that when you give an order, that duty is to be fulfilled, right? There, there is no going sideways on that. When an order is given, you follow through with that. And really what we see Paul doing here in this summation here in Ephesians 5 is he's given this order. And he begins with husbands. He begins with us, guys. He begins with men to, to give this order. 
And he says to, to sum up each one of you, he's saying, men, each one of you, not a few of you, not a couple of you, but each one of you as husbands, you've got an order to follow. You've got a duty to fulfill. And that order is to, to love your wife as Christ loves the church. And then on the back side of that, he says, husbands, also love your wife as you love yourself. Now let's talk about that for a minute. Because what Paul is highlighting here is sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. How do we know that? Well, we know that from the greater context of the passage because he's talked about Christ sacrificing himself for his bride, the church. Right? So there's that theological component that Paul uses, and he comes back and forth from the earthly covenant marriage relationship into the theological construct of Jesus being the groom and the church being his bride. And so for us as husbands, we are to take on the example of Christ and love sacrificially just as he did for the church. That means giving of ourselves. That means that just as Christ gave himself for the church to meet our greatest need, the sin in our life, and to save us from that, husbands are to follow that example and sacrificially love their wives to meet their needs, to lead them spiritually, to lead them in the home. So he's, he's providing these orders here for, for us as men to follow. And the struggle is that mindset that we get tempted with. And this is the mindset. The mindset we get tempted with as husbands oftentimes is, is that either we want to pass on that duty in some way, we don't want to take responsibility for that duty in some, some way, that could be a big way or a small way, or we just, we just want our wives to fit in to our preferred lifestyle. But that's not the command, right? The command is not just get married just to be married. The command is not get married because that's the life stage you find yourself in. That's not the command. The command is, is to love your wife. And the love in mind is a sacrificial love that is exemplified by Jesus himself. And here's another danger of that mindset. I'm going to go off on a little, little sidetrack here. Is that okay this morning? Y'all with me? Y'all awake? Is it okay? This means yes. That means no. We're all good? All right. So I'm going to go off on a little sidetrack side here. We're going to detour for a moment. Because this mindset that, I, that I've told you is, is a danger, it, it's a, there's an even greater danger to it. And the mindset of if, if I can have someone fit my lifestyle, then, then we'll move on in the relationship. This is the danger of cohabitation. This is the danger of cohabitation before one is married. I'm just going to put that out there, okay? Because what happens is, is if he or, if he or, or she... Whatever it is, whatever the scenario is, if they can fit my preferred lifestyle, if they can fit into who I want to be and what I'm doing and what is about me, then maybe one day after some time has gone by and they've proven they can fit into my lifestyle, then we'll eventually get married. And that's dangerous ground. That's real dangerous ground. And here's why it's dangerous. It makes a mockery of the covenant of marriage that God instituted. And it's very, very dangerous to have that mindset. Because that's not the order that Paul has given. 
the order that Paul is given here, he's given it to husbands to love their wives. And to love their wives sacrificially as Christ has loved sacrificially for the church. To model Christ in the marriage. That's the duty. That's the order. That's what he calls husbands to be about and what they should do. Because Christ gave, him, gave himself all for the church. This sacrificial love for the church. And that's what husbands should exemplify. But also, we see that not only is it this important to, to show love sacrificially, it's also part of showing the fruits of the Spirit. Now that's where Galatians 5 comes in. The fruit of the Spirit. And part of the fruits of the Spirit is love, right? And so not only in the relationship do we see the sacrificial love of, of Christ given and exemplified, but also husbands are to show that fruit of the Spirit, that love of growing in the Spirit and following the Lord Jesus to be exemplified in that relationship. And so this is a huge command for all of us husbands, all of us men, that we understand that the, the danger of passing on the responsibility, the danger of saying, hey, now you've got to fit into what I want, Instead of a sacrificial love that exemplifies Christ and a growing fruit of the spirit of love that glorifies Christ. To love is what must be done. But who? To who? Well, it's very simple. Our wives. That's what Paul says. That he is to love his wife. Paul is clear about the love husbands show their wives. So with this order and with this command, what does this tell us? It tells us as husbands, we don't love another. We, we don't love someone else other than our wife. That seems pretty clear for most of us, right? That seems pretty fundamental, right? But here's another facet to that. Husbands, you don't love another thing more than your wife. Y'all heard this country song? I know y'all listen to country music. We can have confession time. It's all right. Y'all heard this country song by this guy, My Hometown? Y'all heard that? Yeah, y'all heard it. I know y'all have. It's all right. My Hometown. And, and the line in there is, I can't love you more than my hometown. Now, I know that's a catchy tune, but that's one of the dumbest things I ever heard in my life. I'm all about being loyal to where you're from and knowing your roots, but that's one of the dumbest things I ever heard in all my life. I can't love you more than my hometown. But you know what? Husbands, we can't say much about that song if we're loving hunting more than we love in our wives, if we're loving our career more than we're loving our wives, if we're loving golf or fishing or whatever it else it might be more than we're loving our wives. Because the command given here by Paul, the apostle, in the word of God, the holy word of God is, husbands, love your wife. And if we want Christ-centered marriages, that type of love has to exude within our homes. It has to exude in our relationships with our wives. It should be paramount to what we're seeking as we seek to have a God-honoring marriage. But Paul continues, he says, how, how does one love? We know that we're supposed to love. We know who we're supposed to love. But how does one love? And he says, as himself. Now that seems kind of iffy. What does he mean by that? I'm not so sure I grasp all that. 
Paul's not opening the door for blatant narcissism. That's not what he's doing here, okay? What Paul is showing here, Paul is actually connecting this to the Old Testament, Old Testament command in Leviticus 19 and the command that Jesus gives in Matthew 22, known as the great commandment. Love your neighbor as who? As yourself. So see, there is a healthy view of self. When, when we understand that we, our identity is in Christ and we are cloaked in the grace of the Lord Jesus, then we can have a healthy, proper view of self and loving ourselves in order that we properly love others as well, including the one that we're commanded to love, our wives. So, so it's not an open door for narcissism. Hey, it's all about me. No, it's that sacrificial love, knowing that our identity is in Christ, that helps us love others in the best way. And that's what Paul is telling us as husbands. That if we want a Christ-centered marriage, it means that we have to have this sacrificial love. We're not putting anything else above that. No, no one, no thing and we're seeking to fulfill all the commands God has given when he speaks about this sacrificial love in the marriage covenant. And Paul begins with love of a husband, but then he maneuvers and he migrates to the love, to the respect of a wife. And that's where we, we see the last part of the verse. When we look back at the verse, it says, the wife is to respect her husband. So we see this reverence, this adoration, this love that husbands are to have for their wives. And now we see Paul's instruction to the wife on the respect she is to have for her husband. You see, wives, this shows us that in the marriage covenant, this teaches us that, that we are husbands and wives first. You see, children come along at the appropriate time, and children are a gift to the Lord. But children do not take the place of your husband or of your wife. They don't take that place. God is a God in order, of order. We see that in creation. We see that in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see that God is the God of order, and he has ordered it where there is a covenant marriage between husband and wife, and then children come into the family to create the family unit, but they never supersede that marriage relationship. Children were never to be a replacement for your spouse. That's not the order that God has. And, and God calls husbands to love their wives, but it, he calls wives to respect their husbands. So one day that children will grow and mature and learn, and they will see the model that was laid before them. They will see the model of a husband loving his wife as Christ loved the church. They will see the model of a wife respecting the husband in that covenant relationship. And then they will be prepared to move in that direction for themselves. But let's talk about the term respect. He says, wives, you are to respect your husbands. In the original language, this, this carries the idea of, of this sense of awe. In other places in Scripture, we might even see it translated fear of the Lord. Well, the, the idea of fear is not, to, is not to be scared in some tragic or scary way, but the, the idea in, in the Psalms and other places where fear of the Lord is used is to be in awe of the Lord. And so this term respect carries that same connotation with it. But it's also been used in Ephesians 5 already. In Ephesians 5, chapter 21, Paul is writing to the church and he says this. He says, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. 
So as brothers and sisters in Christ within the church, we submit to one another in, in all of Christ. And now he translates that into the family unit between husband and wife. That there is a sense of submission in all. There is a sense of, of all of the Lord. So he takes this church component, this, this ecclesiology component, and he transfers that into the relationship of the covenant marriage of husband and wife. So what does this tell us? That when we sacrificially love by Christ, and when we have this sense of awe and respect in harmoniously in the relationship, what does this tell us? You know what it tells us? It tells us that marriage is far more about the gospel than maybe we realize. And it tells us that, that marriage is far more about the glory of God than maybe we realize. Because what's been told to us in our culture and other places is that this is an equality issue for husbands and wives. But that's not the truth of God's word. This is not an equality issue. This is a glorification issue. This is a glorification issue for the, the marriage covenant to fully glorify the Lord Jesus. Because guess what? The most important person in our marriages is the Lord our God. Did you know that? The most important person in our marriages is the Lord our God. I love what my good friend, seminary pal, Dr. D.J. Horton says. He says this about marriage. When you think of your marriage, you think of two people, you and your spouse. Your marriage was not created by your spouse, and your marriage isn't just about your spouse. It's a beautiful institution that God created for his glory. He is the originator of it. He is the most important person in your marriage. The Lord is the most important person in our marriage. Not me or my wife or not me or my husband. And this is not an equality issue. It's a glorification issue for the covenant of marriage in the Christian household. And to have a Christ-centered marriage should be one on the path of full glorification of the one who saved us. And Paul gives the order. He gives the order and the duty for the husband is to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And the duty for the wife is to follow through and show that respect and honor to her husband. I like to think about it like this like an orchestra God is the conductor and both husband and wife you know where they're at they're in the first chair they're in the first chair but they have different roles it's not about equality it's about making a harmonious gospel sound and God is a conductor. Husband and wife are both in, in first chairs, and they have different roles, and they have different ways to play, and they have different notes to hit. But when they do, under the authority of the Lord our God, they create a beautiful, harmonious sound that is the sound of the gospel. And that's a Christ-centered marriage. And it means, husbands, you love your wife like Jesus loved the church, and it means, wives, you respect your husband as God has taught through his word. Because these are duties that create harmony when they're given by the creator. He is the one who thought of marriage, not us. Marriage was not our idea. And marriage is not about some self-fulfillment. 
And marriage is not about another stage of life that I guess it's time for me to get married. And marriage is not about the fulfillment of romantic desires in some form or fashion. That is not the purpose of marriage. The purpose of marriage and what's at stake in your home and in my home is the glory of God. And to glorify God in a Christ-centered marriage means that husbands, we love sacrificially to meet the needs of our wife as Christ has sacrificially loved. And wives, give that respect to your husband in a loving fashion. When we think about this, it's so monumental for our marriages. Paul, in this one verse, as he sums up everything that the passage lays out, in this summation, he gives the foundation for a strong marriage. Great marriages don't just happen, but they can happen with the foundation from the Word of God applied in our life. So maybe today you're here and you're not married yet, and you're thinking about one day you'll get married, and you'll, you're thinking about who that spouse might be. I encourage you to consider the true heart of the issue here from God's Word, that it's about glorifying God in a marriage covenant. Maybe today you're here and you're married, and maybe, it, maybe it's time to, to step back and consider, is this our foundation as husband and wife? Husbands, I implore you to take the lead, to really reflect and consider and ponder, am I loving my wife as Christ loved the church? Am I fulfilling that role? Wives, take a step back as well and consider and ponder, am I showing my husband that right level of respect and love in the relationship? How can we communicate about this better? How can we sit down and talk about this? And share the importance about this in our relationship. It's so monumental because what's at stake is the glory of God in our homes and in our marriages. And what's at stake is what the next generation sees. What will they catch? You know, so much is taught rather than taught. What will they catch from our marriages? Will they catch that it's important to live faithfully to the word of God, to glorify God, or they catch something else from it. Husbands, love your wife. Wives, respect your husband. This leads us to our, our final thought of the day. Hope this is portable for you. If you don't hear me say anything else, hear me say this today as we wrap up. Reverence and respect reveal Christ. Reverence and respect reveal Christ. Husbands, this reverence, this adoration, this love, this sacrificial love you have for your wife, that will reveal Christ in your marriage. Ladies, wives, respect and understanding and love on the other side. That is the note that you play to reveal Christ in the marriage relationship. To have a Christ-centered marriage, we must understand that reverence and respect reveal Christ. And that's what I want for you today. That's what I want for you in your life and in your marriage. I want you to fulfill these duties that are inspired by God. Husbands, love and adore and revere your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Because when you live out the roles that God has defined in the idea and covenant of marriage that God has instituted and ordained, when you do that and that's your foundation, then your marriage does something far more than make you happy. Your marriage points others to the one true Savior. Let's pray together.
Lord, we bow before you today, and we thank you for the depth of your word. God, it's challenging for us, and it speaks right to the core of us. And so, God, I pray that you will use our time together this morning as we considered what it means to have a Christ-centered marriage, and that we might look at these roles, and we might look at this, these foundational principles, and that you would give us the courage, the wisdom, and even the boldness to step out in faith so that husbands can live out this love for their wife and wives can live out that respect for their husbands. Because reverence and respect reveal you to a dark and lost world. Father, help us to realize what's at stake. What's at stake is not our happiness. What's at stake is your glory and your name and your renown. And may it be said of our marriages that we reveal Christ to others in our marriage relationship, in that covenant, for your glory and for your name alone. May you do it, God, and may you receive all the credit for it. We pray this in your precious, powerful name. Amen.